All right, another guest today. Okay. He is the wind, she is the wave, and together they make up the band they call the wind and the wave. They're not related. They're best buds, they're BFFs for life. Hashtag BBIT dubs. It's the Dwight and Patty Show. The Dwight and Patty Show. It's the Dwight and Patty Show. It's Hello, welcome to the Dwayne Pay Show podcast presented by the Wind and the Wave, episode siete. Seven. Yep. Um, uh, still here in lockdown in the city of Austin, Texas. I think Patricia is still locking down. She hasn't started um, her dance career back up yet, so... um. I haven't been to a grocery store or anywhere in over a month. Shit. Yeah, today's, let's see. A, <clears throat> yeah, thir- 33 days or something. Damn, dude. I mean, you're a homebody anyway, but that's a it's lot. It's true. Yeah. Uh, we have one new patron this week. And, uh, oh. It is Nick Stewart. Nick Stewart is a professional golfer on the Australian tour. It's a smaller tour, but um, he's got great long game. His short game is, it's suspect, good putter, but his his wedges are, they leave a little to be desired. But Nick Stewart Mm -hmm. has joined us. And um, we appreciate him um, for joining. Some special stuff coming for the Patreon supporters. Oh, really? Do I know about it? Next week. Uh, yeah, we were working on it earlier today. Oh, uh, yeah, that, yeah, there, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> well, should I mean, we talk about that? Yeah, yeah, we can, we can announce that, the, um, uh, cause it's definitely happening this Saturday. Okay, cool. This Saturday, we will be doing a ticketed show, just like a, um, concert from this here closet right here. Patty and I will be called the Cludio. Cludio. We will be merging pods and she will actually will be merging pods Wednesday when I see her, but she will be here, uh, in this Cludio crammed up against this backdrop, trying to fit into the screen in this tiny Cludio. And we'll just make it work. I'll be able to fit because I'm super tiny. Me too. Now. I mean, if exactly. you have so very tiny and, um, you're asking, you know, we're doing this ticketed thing to, to uh, frankly, we need some money. Yeah, it's twofold. Us. Yeah, one, we need some money. Um, and so we're trying to do it as, as much like a real show as we can. Meaning, if you and your husband watch, we'd appreciate you buying two tickets, just like you would if you were coming to a real show. Doesn't mean you have to, um, but that's what we'd appreciate. Uh, for our Patreon people who are Patreon members, they'll be getting this show free because they already give us money and we'll send them a code for that. And um, we understand that that some people are out of work and just like we are. And we understand some people are struggling to make ends meet. And, uh, you know, you can, you know, we're doing our best to, this is the only way we know how to make a living as well. So, um, anyone that can watch, we, we'd appreciate it. If you and your family are struggling and you need to buy one ticket for all 10 of you in the house, 
we're good with that too. We just ask if you are making a living still right now, you know, help us out too. So we'll do the announcement, I think, on that tomorrow. And um, we'd love to see as many of you as possible. We're doing it Saturday afternoon. And the reason we decided to do that was for our European fans um, who are vast. And <laughs> and uh, we wanted to make sure it wasn't too late for them. It'll be 9 o'clock for them. So we're so going to do a Saturday uh, afternoon. So it's this Saturday, April 25th at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time. Yep, from the Cluteo. So um, we'll be sharing that link on all the socials and all the things. So keep a lookout. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we'll see you there. And we'll play, maybe we'll do some requests. We'll t- not live, but we'll take some requests uh, via that post. Maybe Patty in the, in the post could say if there's any songs you want to hear. And we'll consider playing them and probably won't. But that's okay. We'll play what we want to play. But maybe if there's something you want to hear that we want to do, we will do it. Uh, it'll be about an hour long, sometimes longer cause we can ramble, but, um, we'll do as many songs and as many stories in that time as we can. Uh, you were saying there was two reasons. I don't know if I already did the second reason or if you had a second reason, what's the second reason? I think the second reason is to put good stuff out into the world that people love. Sure. Um, <laughs> it, well, uh, I mean, Sure. Mainly for me, though, aside from making a little money for us, just because we need to have house payments coming up and everything, is that um, is that we can't do the well, we can't do the Feelings Club tour, which we had, you know, dates tentatively scheduled and stuff. So we can't do that right now, and who knows when the fuck we can do it with everyone rescheduling. You know, our Feelings Club dates may be pushed to twenty twenty one. Who knows? So. This may be the way we do the Feelings Club tour for a little while. We may just come on here every week or every two weeks and probably every two weeks. And if it works the first time we do well, you know, we'll just do some more shows and, you know. see what happens. Yeah, and see what happens. Um, We do have a guest coming on today. Um, Matt Brew is the singer of Missio. And uh, one third, I guess, if we all write the songs together, one third of the songwriting group between me and him and David. Matt's going to come on this week. And then we have David coming on the second episode of this week. Uh, We thought we'd get him individually this time to talk of shit about each other and to talk about the new record that we just made, which I'm assuming they can start talking about a little bit. And and I think Patty has some questions on the... the, um, doc and stuff like that which i'm sure she's going to her notes right now to come up with and um and uh so yeah so i plan on having a nice conversation with with matt today and uh yeah is he on here yet or he's not on here yet i told him trying to buzz in i told him 130 and then he was like cool does that mean 133 and i was like yeah probably okay so (laughs) So we have a minute or two but yeah, well, um, well, shit, I've already done a... I don't know why I thought we were doing this in a couple. I thought we were doing this more. I don't know why. You, I know you said one, and then for some oh. reason in my mind today, I thought it was at three. You're not bright. I have a new... I have an email I can just do real quick from Mr. Wine Country, good old Jeff Connolly. Hello from NorCal. Real quick, three nice things about Dwight. He's as nice a person in person as he appears to be on stage or in the podcast. I'm not sure there's many people that actually think that about me, but 
Thank you. He deaf knows what the fuck he's talking about. Watch the Mystio documentary. You'll see. I really liked it. And the third one, he looks great in black. And I'm good. I'm glad about that because it's all I own. Um, hi, guys. Thanks for doing the podcast again. I really missed it. I appreciate being able to see you in the video, too. In episode one, you kind of skipped right to the UK tour stuff. How about telling us how Feeling Club's tour went and what the highlight lowlights of the run were? Did you like the venues, crowds, the travel, etc.? Was it worth it? San Francisco show was awesome. When this house prison shit is over and you book another tour, we're going to get on a plane and come see you. Maybe we'll bring the full band, yes. Maybe Chicago, Austin, Houston, Boston, Detroit, Cleveland, or all the above. Keep drinking that Chardonnay. Choo-choo, your biggest fan, Mr. Wine Country. Yes, new songs are awesome, and I love my Feelings Club shirt and record. Um, uh, I'm, glad that, I'm glad that he liked the San Francisco show because that was kind of a... Sh- not The show itself was great, but it was kind of a shit show otherwise. like Everything around it was terrible. The people that ran the venue, at, admitting us to like parking, like getting inside. Yeah. Like, the whole thing was just a mess. The venue was bad. Um, and the staff was bad. I hate to say that. It's it's. I don't like to say that shit. I know how hard it's that job true, can though. be. But they were bad. I think it's a and, shell company. Uh, were, I think I think they're not really interested in running a venue. I think they're doing other things, and the venue's a cover up. That's what I think. Yeah, they were very unwelcoming. So you know, I think the show turned out great, and the room actually was a nice size for mm-hmm. that kind of thing, and it ended up being nice. And I will say, the sound guy was fine. The French guy. He did a good job. and He had just as much frustration with the rest of the management as we did that night. Definitely seemed like that. It's just one of those, you know, there's a lot of very poor run uh, places out there, Um, you know. I think it's like people that wanted to run a bar and didn't anticipate all the things that would come along with it actually being a musical venue, you know. Yeah. Anyway, um... Yeah, the Feelings Club. That was a very cathartic experience for me. Um, um, and also, uh, Matt's here, so I'm going to let him on in a second. But um, I know you didn't mean it because it was just a joke, but I didn't like that you said I wasn't bright. Oh, total joke. Sorry. I know, but I, I still didn't like it. Okay, total joke. Okay. Uh, now it's uncomfortable. All right. Okay. Oh, are you uncomfortable? Yeah. Okay. Well, let's let Matt in now. Okay. Matt Brew. Can you hear me? We can. You guys look dashing. Is this from your? Is this from your uh, fabulous? Well, your new apartment. New apartment. Yes, it's in front of my bathroom. I really, it's a condominium. I mean, I've seen the pictures of that place. It is. Uh, it's nice. Fancy. It's fancy. The the best part about it is the view that I have of the Texas Hill Country. It is. Is that the best part? Or is, awesome. or is the best part being completely alone? Uh, that too. Have you masturbated <laughs> in every room? Uh, virtually, yes. <laughs> Good job. Well done. Sorry, Matt's mom. Sorry, Matt's uh, mom. <clears throat> how you guys doing? Uh, well, how are you, buddy? Um, good. Um, as, as good as I think possible, you know, it's such a weird vibe, such a weird time right now. Um, Are you hanging in there? Um, 
Because I know that you and I both like to be alone quite a bit, but also that can lead to some depression, some loneliness feelings, and some anxiety. How are you doing? Because you've truly been alone, correct? Yeah, I've seen David a couple times. Okay. Um, because we're still doing a little bit of work stuff, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm oddly, I think I dealt with a lot of anxiety early on in the year, which helped quite a bit. I think, I think the general collectiveness of people's anxiety overall has kind of made things a little bit easier for me because it, it makes me feel like I'm not fully alone in the struggle, if that makes sense. But, um, yeah, I feel, I, oddly, I feel good. I think j- just like being able to stay creative and, and kind of working on things that I haven't been able to put time into for a while has helped. Um, but it is difficult. I mean, I see people, you know, like families and girlfriends and stuff all over social media. And it, it, there's an aspect of wanting that in my life, just like comparing to what seems like I'm the only person by myself, which is not true. No. And I think ideally you would want for people that like to be alone, you want either a very understanding partner who goes like, sure, go be alone. Or Yeah. Or like kind of what you have. If you could if you could have what you have and then like go to your girlfriend's house and sleep for the night or whatever, it it would be where you could almost like balance it, you know? Totally. Or if you had like two houses right next door to each other where your partner oh. could live in the other house, oh. but like all the time, not just in quarantine. That would do be cool. you, do you feel like, because when I've thought about marriage, right. I think a lot of, um, a lot of people operate under what have been the norms over the last, you know, however many years, thousands of years. But when I view life now kind of what the the approach that i'm coming to is there are no rules there are no boundaries there are no walls you can do whatever the fuck you want to do for your life to make you know it easier for you or better for you whatever so do you feel like there are couples out there that actually operate their marriages like that because for a guy like me who loves to spend the majority of time by myself if i found another human being that felt that same way I actually wouldn't be opposed to doing something outside the box like that. I mean, there are, there are people that, um, you know, sleep separately, but have kind of a, a love making room, but they don't like sleeping with someone else. So they have separate, sometimes rooms or separate beds because they just like to sleep alone. If you can negotiate in that, that in your relationship and both people are comfortable with it, why wouldn't you do that? You know, right. And I, and my, there's no, yeah, there's no blueprint for what a marriage should be or what a relationship should be. It's, it's whatever those two people are comfortable with. Right. Yeah. I mean, relationships are about compromise anyway. Yeah. With Sarah and I, she likes someone around her at 24 seven and she likes to talk to them 24 seven. She's a very like, that's what that's why her job like, works for her. She likes to stay engaged. Yeah, that's why mm-hmm. her job works for her because she shoots the shit all day long and touches people and is around them. Well, when that went away, and then she still needs that. Um, it used to be our relationship worked one way because I would go to work all day, she would go to work all day, she would be kind of be talked out, and we would come home and be kind of chill, and that's the way it is, right? But now it's, we're both around all the time. So we've almost had to figure out a way like where she just goes like, well, I need you around right now. I need somebody around. 
you're the warm body. You got to be here. And I, right. even if I want to go up to this Cludio, which we would call the closet studio, even if I want to come up to the Cludio and work on music, I hang out, you know? And then I think sometimes I go, I got to go work in the Cludio. And even if she wants me to stay around, she goes, okay. And tries to figure out her space too. So it is definitely a weird thing in this time to negotiate a new way of life. I'm imagining some people yeah. are having a very hard time with it. Well, what are your kids doing right now? <laughs> I would love, I would love to know. Just picking their butts. Are they, are they, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Evan, Evan has school every day, sort of from nine to Online. one. Yeah. Nine to one. But it's like 30-minute classes. They don't do shit. It's more like for their well-being, and that's a private school oh. running that, which why they okay. haven't given me a discount, I don't know. But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm not even using your facilities, you know? Cut me, cut me some fucking money back. I'm, I'm waiting on a discount for me because they closed our gym down and they right. closed down all of our amenities. So I'm like, why the fuck am I paying this much? Right. <laughs> like, Discounted by 300 bucks. Now, but Jackson is in AISD, which is public school, and they aren't doing anything. Like, Nothing? Well, they, they put up, they, put up, they have 81,000 students. They put up this bullshit extended learning thing, which there's the, only so much they the, can do. The first assignment, Jackson, because yeah. we were like, gotta do, try to do something, man. The first assignment was a coloring sheet. He's 17. And so he was like, I'm not doing this. I get a pass fail regardless. I move on to my senior year regardless. And we were like, we talked to one other parent and she was like, yeah, we, we're not doing anything. We're like, okay. So he's just, he's just working on music. He's got like three new records, you know? That's, this, that's what I see his, on TikTok. Like yeah. This nobody. is his senior year, Dwight? No, this is junior year. This is senior. Oh, okay. Okay. But, but the seniors um, that are still applying for college or whatever, that were still applying, SAT doesn't even count now. You can kind of get into Holy like, like getting into schools right now is, is, is a, is like its own thing this year. My brother is a senior in college and he's not getting his graduation. I mean, nothing. Right. He's it's graduating like, though. See ya. Um, I think so. Yeah. Uh, he, they haven't given him any information. They'll, gra- so he's like, they'll graduate him. It's the same thing with uh-huh. the ASD. They just said, if you were a senior, and you had showed up this year, you were didn't have too many absences, you showed up, you were passing most of your classes, we'll send you your diploma. That's basically what it is. That's, I mean, it's good, but mm, also same. sucks. Like, they don't get to do their prom. They don't get to do anything. They don't get mm. to walk. They don't get to do anything. They don't get to have that, those last two months of senior year where you truly don't give a Just fuck. totally check out, yeah. yeah. But it's fun, too. Like, it's a lot, you know somewhere deep inside you that it's the last time you'll hang out with those people, you know, it's cool. Yeah. Um, that sucks. That sucks. Yeah. So it's weird out there. Um, you know, you feel guilty cause Evan's playing a shit ton of video games. Cause that's what he likes to do. I try to get him out and play basketball, but they closed the fence to the school where we, where we hoop and padlocked it. So, um, you know, I'm, I think I'm going to order a basketball hoop. I, you know, like, I don't right. know. So you try to get him exercising. Jackson's good about exercising on his own. And you feel bad about them playing video games or whatever or watching TV. But also, that's what I'm fucking doing. 
not playing video games, <laughs> yeah, but I'm, you can't, you I'm can't watching, like, judge him. Yeah, I'm watching Netflix yeah. and playing music and doing nothing. I we sleep till ten every day. Every day, there's nothing else to do. And that does seem to make it go so, faster. I agree. Matt, you were talking about your anxiety and how you had already done some processing work before this kind of all went down. Um, how are you doing with that now? Um, so we, when we went to Europe, I was very, very concerned for my anxiety and like the physicality of not being able to like, do it was a smaller tour that we were doing it was 10 shows but i mean outside of just the shows it's the traveling it's the moving it's the being in a different country and like the uneasiness of it all so i i was going in being like ah, shit i don't know and then halfway through all the coronavirus yeah y'all were happening. y'all were so over funny. there when we were over there it was scary it was yeah. weird and scary yeah well, what was weird is like we had had conversations before the tour. Should we cancel this? Should we not? And at this point in time, there was no news. So nobody knew what the severity of it was. It was just kind of like, ah, it's this weird illness that, you know, TBD. So we were like, ah, fuck it. We'll just go over there and, and play the shows and get home quickly. Um, well, when we left Germany going into Czech Republic, at 3 a.m., we get woken up in our bus at the border and we get woken up by people in hazmat suits who want to take our temperature. And so to sit, this was before the media stuff happened. So it, think about all pre this and you get woken up to people in hazmat suits. It was like, it felt like world war Z. I mean, I had never experienced. Wait, you were parked in your bus and then people came to check. They you woke out? us up to at cross 3 the border, a.m. Yeah. crossing the border. Oh, yeah. crazy. Yeah. So like I'm, I'm the last person off the bus and there's a, a dude pointing what looks like a gun at my face in a hazmat suit. And I'm like, the fuck is going on here? And so we end up getting to, uh, to Prague. And then that morning we get woken up by our manager who's like, Hey guys, the show's canceled. The government just came out and said that, uh, no meetings over 500 people or 250 people, which our show was sold out 500 people. So it was like, okay, well, fuck. And then the next day we were supposed to be in uh, Poland and same thing. We got to Poland, that venue was shut down. So at that point in time, my anxiety actually started getting better because it was like, oh, I don't have to worry about my own personal issues right now. I I now am like a part of this much bigger thing happening. Mm -hmm. And so we ended up getting home a couple hours before Trump ended up shutting the border down. But I think from that moment on being at home and realizing like, okay, I actually have time now to focus on my mental health and myself and not have to just be like, do, 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 moving, moving, moving. I think was a blessing in disguise. Dude, Um, me too. Really? It's it's weird. Like I, uh, like in normal life, I have just kind of a, like a low grade general anxiety, like all the time. And I'm always like, go, go, go. And I'm filling my day with unnecessary tasks just to feel productive. And I don't know, to probably not, probably just to not sit still and feel anxious, but having nothing but time and nowhere to be and nothing to do. It's kind of, yeah, it's kind of got this calming effect (laughs) on me right now where I can kind of pour my energy if I didn't have anything to pour my energy into, that would be rough, but I do. I have the wind in the way of writing and I have this podcast and I have my new podcast. And so like, I've got ways to 
channel the energy instead of just, you know, if I didn't have anything, I would be going crazy. Agreed. But I, agree with that. I feel pretty calm. Yeah. What about you, Dwight? Um, I want to work, you know, that, yeah. um, I have a lot of external stresses. Um, I think my father's probably going to pass in the next 10 days or something. He's refusing food and all that wow. stuff. And, uh, I was going to ask. Yeah. So I, you know, there's a lot of like dark shit, but also like, uh, you know, um, the, the ability, like I'm enjoying focusing actually weirdly on the demos for our new songs in this closet. Cause it's very restricting and it's made it to where I have to, uh, you're saging to where I have to, uh, for the audio listeners, Patty is saging her room right now, but for, I have to, um, you know, I have to work with what I have here, which is, you know, one guitar, one bass, one acoustic and some samples. And, um, it's, it's been fun to kind of dive in that way. Um, uh, I know for you, you know, we, uh, I don't know how much you're willing to talk about, but we finished a new record for you guys. And, um, I, I thought that too, when you guys got off tour, I thought, well, you know what, now that they're on a new label and stuff, they can really think about how they want these songs to come out and actually for once really do a plan without having to be, like you said, in Prague dealing with it. Um, right. You guys are seated, seated at home. You can see each other when you need to and um, can deal with and really set up your new record one step at a time without having the added pressures of, of, of touring, right? Well, without just being torn in a bunch of different directions, you can kind of focus. Yeah. What's, what's ironic about the situation that we're in right now is, um, for the first time, every song that we have unreleased is, is like my favorite song that we've done yet. Yeah. It's a, so, great, it's a really it, good record. Yeah. And, and like previously, uh, if I'm honest, there were my go-to songs, which were my favorite, kind of the ones I was leaning to and knew that I would jam the shit out of. And then there were the other songs that you know, we talked about on the documentary are more of the singles, the the radio songs, the label songs. Um, and on this record, it's hard to plan because I'm like, I, I could go with any of the songs first. I don't, I don't care. Yeah. Or, or like I, yeah, I could do, yeah. I mean like we go back and forth, what's going to be the song, what's, and that's never happened to us. We, we finally, so. we finally managed in there to find a way to make the singles be the album cuts. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. The singles and the album cuts are the same thing. They're agreed. They're there. What's the difference between a single and an album cut, please? Well, I guess the- yeah i mean what i what i mean is usually the deep cuts right the album cuts are stuff that you know like that you know like people don't think that people change on our record songs that are husband and wife songs that are great but you're not gonna play them live you're not gonna probably not yeah very rarely and and even your fans these days you know on with the spotify world and everything you know they listen to the first three or four songs off of a record um and that's it. So some of your deep cuts don't even get listened to anymore. And, um, 
what's interesting about this record, and we knew it the second we did the first song, and it was like five minutes long, but it felt like a single. It was so like good. it was like oh, this is what this record should be, and somehow I think we managed to do that across the whole record. So what I mean is, even the longer, too long for a single cuts are singles and album cuts yeah. all at the same time. It's 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 like it's so uniquely not a single that it becomes a single if that makes sense. Right. It's a, it's, it's like a weird irony to have. So, um how much are you allowed to talk about this record? Um not you, very much. Do you want to talk not about the, at least the process of writing it and where you were at mentally and even maybe some of the topics you were talking about, because um, it was definitely different than the first two records, um, lyrically for you, especially. Yeah. Um, I w- so to p- pull it back a little bit, I think over the last couple years of Missio being a thing and being able to see our dreams come true, quote unquote, um, we learned a lot. Uh, about ourselves and about life and about what it is that we were actually chasing for in the first place. You know, like when you start being able to check things off of your bucket list, you either are, you're kind of put in front of a a twofold decision of did this fulfill everything that I thought it would, or do I now have other things that I need to work towards because this didn't fully fill that void. And so there was like some things that really did check the box on a lot of different, like traveling the world. That was something that has, has blown my mind. Um, but then there are other things like having money, which I thought would totally fix me and that didn't. And so there's like just a lot of growth and a lot of learning from, from just living life and experiencing things that we've experienced from being on the road. But we were in a place where we started having the time to question just life and and me growing up in a very legalistic Christian home for a long time and and having that be a lot of my foundation um, in the way that I approached life and and philosophies and things, I started to realize that like that that mindset and mentality wasn't lining up with when I would travel the world and I would meet some amazing human being that didn't believe that Jesus was their savior. But yet their life was better than majority of my Christian friends who claim to have the answers to everything. So like when I you just mean start- their life was better, what do you mean by that? Um, they were happier, like genuinely happier. They had joy. They didn't give a fuck about. Um, they lived honestly. They lived very honestly and very raw. And, and to me, when I read the Bible growing up or I, I have my, my Christian friends and like, they have these ideals of wanting to live that way, but no one in that community actually lives that way. And so for me, it was this weird contradiction of, well, what you believe in the book that you're reading all the time, your life decisions on says that that's the way you should be. But why am I seeing that reality come from people who don't believe in what you believe in? So me, you know, having been pounded with the same belief system over and over and over, um, to start coming across those things in life and go like, this doesn't add up. And why, why, you know, just like I was having a difficult time trying to figure out what exactly I, I believed in. And so, yeah, you and I have that, uh, that conservative background and family dynamic very much in common. So I relate. 
Yeah. And it's, there's a, there's a really beautiful aspect of it from a um, cultural standpoint where I think there are a lot of beautiful things that we can learn about how to treat people and like the bigger ideas of love and, and that those types of things. But there's also, it's very damaging and it has damaged a lot of people and it's done actually a disservice to, to, I believe, um, a lot of the people in my circle, including myself on, on the other hand. So it was this, this wrestling and grappling going this, I know that this is what I want to write about because I'm on the search to try and figure this out. And I will be on the search for the rest of my life to try and figure out what that means. But it started coming out in songs where it was like, I would sit down for a demo and uh, these lyrics would come out and I would have to go, the fuck does that mean? And so through, through the demos, it was kind of like getting this general consensus. And then when we got into the studio, it was, it was actually amazing for me to have to work out some of those lyrics with Dwight because Dwight would either ask questions that would kind of spur something or there were times where I would just want to cry because I'm like, I believe this line, but I don't, I don't believe that I believe that line. And mm-hmm. so it Did was me um, in the studio mm-hmm. a few times. Yeah. There were a few times where I'm, I was just like, it, it was almost like I was able to make a decision right then and there or the ability to see, oh shit, like I, I don't know, I don't know what the rest of my life's gonna look like because the foundation that I had I had rested in for such a long time has now been like broken a little bit. So to to unpack that, like it's very scary to have to move forward just being like everything I've known. I don't know if, I don't know if I actually believe that anymore. Yeah. Um, Well, and religion does that for a lot of people. Like it provides sort of this like safety net slash security blanket of hope um, where you just kind of trust that everything's going to be okay because you're a good person and you're trying and Jesus loves you. God loves you. You're going to heaven. Don't you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. um, and so when that gets wishy-washy, kind of like throw your hands up. Like, I don't know anymore. Yeah. what right. I, I've no, I've watched both of you walk this path um, towards kind of figuring out what you want to believe as an adult, as opposed to what someone told you to believe as a child. And uh, what's the common thread between both of you is uh, guilt and fear of hell. Both of those um, ran congruent with both of your stories that I remember like very much, you know, when I realized the level of, you know, of your trauma, Matt, religiously was when I realized when you said that when you would fly on planes, when you started questioning your belief, that you were worried that the plane would crash because God doesn't love you anymore because you don't sure you believe and you would, all these other people would die because your faith had switched. And I just thought straight up, I just thought, what the fuck, dude? I remember I told you, I think that's an incredibly selfish belief. Yeah. How, how narcissistic. (laughs) Yeah. And so narcissistic to believe that because your faith has changed, that it would bring a plane down or something like that. I 100% agree with you, but when you're so consumed in that world and you are told 
Because growing up, like there are these characters in the Bible who are, who are the go-to characters. There's like King David or there's uh, Abraham or these like, and so there are Christians that want to be the next person. And so you start thinking that God is speaking to you directly or that you're going to be the change. Or, and what I started to notice too, was like people would use the Missio platform in the Christian circle as a way to be like, it's your, you have to go spread the gospel now. It's you, because you have this platform, you have to go to, and it puts this like pressure, uh, put the pressure on me that I was like, I don't like, fuck you. It's my platform. Don't tell me what to do with it. Like you can't, but it, when you're in that circle, you actually start believing that you are um, the chosen. <laughs> you're, you are more special than the rest. And I think that's one of the reasons I just think. For that's sure. Bullshit. That's one of bullshit. the, pro- that's one of the problems. It's one of the problems. Yeah. Cause I, you know, and, and there also- are churches and Christians that do great things. You know, there, there are great Christian men that I've known and women in my life, and there are absolute assholes, as is all walks of life. Absolutely. But when you But when you begin to think that your belief system is somehow right, and didn't we look it up while we were writing that record? How many other religions were there? Oh, uh, dude, there was like 200 and something. It's like, like just, just Christian yeah, but, just, just but there was like yeah. 200,000 recognized religions around the world or something ridiculous like that. And to assume that what you believe or what ta- was the right one and everybody else, one trillion Hindus are wrong. You know what I mean? One billion Muslims are wrong, but you guys are right is the thing that just I can never account i, I can very, never I've, grab onto that you know I, I very much i very much believed that at one point in my life too that uh the church that i was going to had it all figured out and therefore it was uh part of my responsibility as a living human being that had access to this truth to share it with other people um yeah and then it and then it also creates this this feeling of like, like extreme guilt. If you're not perfect, you're so lucky that you have access to this information. And if you're not living your life to the best of your ability, if you fuck up and sin and, you know, have weird thoughts that you're not supposed to have or any of the things you, for me anyway, like I, I can't accept it within myself. And so that's where I, where I started to feel like judgmental about the people around me. What was the, uh, the pivot for you when you started to be like, "Mm, I don't know. So many, I mean, there's so many, sorry, I'm, I'm getting a weird zoom. Yeah. I just, I just saw that. (laughs) Uh, Do you see that? It says the zoom is ending. I don't Um, know why it would be. It's never done that before. Well, um, so we got nine minutes to finish up here. I don't know. No, no, let me, let me try to figure it out. You know, the last few times it has said adding unlimited minutes, maybe you have, maybe you do have to have a pro. I don't know. I'm no, maybe we need a pro account or something. Yeah. I don't know either. You guys continue. Let me figure this out. Hmm. Well, I mean, I, I think honestly, I'm not 
I I don't consider myself some great converter, but you know, we had many conversations, Patty and I, about religion that I don't think she'd ever had with a just a straight non-believer like me before. And I'm assuming that you and I have had those similar conversations as well. Um, yeah, I mean, we had one. We had one that I can think of. Um, I don't want to give the song title away, but we were we were. I asked you a question. Um, and I, I think it was along the lines of if, if we're having this conversation, right. And I, I, from my past life would actually come to you and say, if you do not believe in Jesus Christ as your savior, you will go to hell. And right. I asked you, what is your response to that as somebody who doesn't believe that, which <laughs> produced this whole conversation that I, that created a whole song out of it. And I thought was a very impactful conversation for me to have because what we were able to do in that moment was uh, what I think Christians strive to be able to do, which is just to ha- just to have a fucking normal conversation about struggles. You like, just you just said, "What's it all for?" If there's no heaven and no God and all that, what's yeah. it for then for you? And I said, "Love, joy, yeah, family, friends." You know, it's literally as basic as that, right? We all Which to me, die and I become like, a tree. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've, I have missed the, the beauty of life, I think, because it, I've been so focused on after I die, not without even knowing that there is a heaven or a hell, that I think that's one of the scary things about religion and, and that whole ideology is that if you're always so, so thoughtful about after your life and what happens, you're missing the entire fucking thing. Yeah. My, my thing has always been, and you know this, but my thing has always been there. Um, I, I'm certainly not going to say there isn't a heaven or hell or a whatever any other religion believes there is. I have no fucking clue. What I am going to say is that I believe that if I live a good life or as good a life as I can and try to be a good person and good to my friends and good to the people around me and giving in my community and everything like that, that if there's a good place you go, that I would go there. (laughs) There's no set of rules that I would have to follow and walk down other than morally and the human scope of things being a morally good person. That's it. Right. Doesn't mean I don't make mistakes. Doesn't mean I'm not an asshole. Doesn't mean any of those things, but it means that ultimately I'm judged for my acts and not my um, belief system. Which I will say, I mean, for people who don't know you, you you can sometimes come across as like a hard personality, but dude, you're one of the most giving, nicest people I've ever met for the people that you want to give that part of yourself to. Yeah. So. I appreciate that. I just, I don't, what I've always said, I don't have casual friends. I don't have time for them. And mentally, um, I make space for people I care about and that's it. And, um, uh, everyone else. And that's what I think people sometimes take as me being hard or aloof or something. It's just like, I, that's that's the space I got, you know. Yep. So you're on that list. You're on my good friend list. Thanks, man. <laughs> so what do you, what do you since Patty? Are you still figuring that out? Yes, I am. What do you consider 
What are you missing most about just normal life? Out of out of curiosity. Um. For me, and to be honest, touring, touring. Yeah, playing shows. Or just, 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 yeah, just playing shows, just traveling. I mean, I love, I don't like being at home very much. Um, this is the first time I've been home this long. And but also, you've got your own space now, and it's got to be different now because you can just walk amazing. out. You can walk out to your kitchen naked and grab a slice of pizza and go back to bed. You can do whatever you it's want. It's fucking. It's. It, I'm such an OCD fucking prick that <laughs> to know that where I set my stuff down the night before is is going to be there the next day or not be there the next day. Amazing. Well, I I miss um like you know you guys are moving on to new things and we're starting to plan how your record is coming out and everything like that. I'm sure your fans will be excited to hear that. And I'm sure you have some announcements coming pretty soon. I would imagine. <laughs> nice coy thing, but I would have liked, I has, the, has this time um, made you like postpone that the release of the record or has it affected that at all? Yes. A it lot. Has a yeah. Lot. It's yeah. I mean, I'm I'm careful to say record because we have a lot of songs and we're not we're not really entirely sure what that plan is. It's looking like we're not going to be able to tour until at least 2021. So we I mean, we kind of have to it, bridge the gap it, there. It, it'll eventually, even if you do a bunch of songs, it'll eventually be a record. It's such a perfect yes grouping of songs. My the thing I was going to say is the thing I missed though is um, like that you David and I and the wives or whatever couldn't have gone and gotten some sushi to celebrate new plans and new things and everything. That's the, that's the type of stuff that's a bummer to me, you know, is yeah. that is those, you just can't, what do you do? You know, it's like, Oh, we come on here and we go, Hey, <laughs> good on you. Yeah. You know, yeah. I do. To be honest, I miss going to the barber the most. It's like, <laughs> My my favorite thing to do is go to the barber. Well, um, you've been isolated, and so have we. And we, and Sarah has told you you are welcome in our pod, and her clippers are here. And uh, you know you could get a shave if you want one, a head shave. So I'm gonna text her as soon as we're off this call. Yeah, because because <laughs> or you can come to my house because I can do that now too. Unlimited minutes. Yeah, yeah. So P Patty uh, did Kevin's. It looked pretty good. She had to call in for a consultation, but she got. I did. Yeah. I, I had to Facetime Sarah, and she had to like kind of give me some tips. But I, I hell yeah. Have Have you guys noticed that um, being around the same people for an extended period of time has been extremely difficult, or has it been kind of nice? I think both of us have done this pretty successfully so far. I mean, there's yeah. been some squabbles, but. I mean, pretty good. Yeah, I mean, like the first month is was like not difficult. I'm starting to notice a little bit of like communication struggles, but uh, stupid stuff. Just like you know, just it's just from being around each other twenty four seven. Um, but for the most part, we're pretty good. I want to take we take grace. Rad. Yeah, I wanted to tell you that. Uh, I guess you did watch our interview with, with Jeff. Yeah. Who directed the Missio documentary. Really, really good. Yeah, it was good. And, uh, I wanted to tell I you, I was a little worried that you were going to, um, feel weird about us talking 
that's about you and about the the whole thing while you weren't present. I wanted to say that I was uncomfortable talking about your sobriety as well, but I also know how open you are about that stuff. So um, I figured you would be okay with it long term um, since we put it out in a documentary. Um, yeah. us discussing no, yeah, it. Totally. What were your thoughts on that interview and, and the, in the documentary and have you enjoyed its reception and everything or. Yeah, to be honest, I've been blown away by the comments that I'm seeing. I, if, if I'm being a hundred percent honest, we had been sitting on it for such a long time that I was kind of like, well, it's going to do what it's going to do. And I had just kind of taken my, my mindset off of it. Yeah. Um, and to see all the comments about how impactful it's been for specific people and artists and, and young business owners just like trying to start their companies. And I've been blown away by the response. Um, there have been people who've been pissed off at me specifically. Um, mm-hmm. I've me gotten too. some comments <laughs> saying, I've, I've gotten some comments saying, I, I'm not going to listen to your band anymore because you're a lying sack of shit. Bye. Can't really do anything. Okay. About that. yeah, bye. Yeah, it's, bye. <laughs> it's like uh, all I can do as a human being to grow is be honest with people, and uh, that's one of the things that I I like that y'all touched on was that aspect of it. It's like you're getting mad at me for admitting my faults. Like if you have a problem with that, go fuck yourself. I don't I don't know what else to say. Like, yeah, I can't I can't fix that in you. Well, and like Patty said, that's whatever is wrong with them is what they're actually saying to you. They're mad at that's you because it's their about. own damn struggle too, you know? Right. They're and, mad at right. themselves. I find that part sad. But also, I've gotten mean comments because people were mad at me for not letting you put the ballot on the goddamn. It's like they took no context around anything else that was said. Just me going, are we really going to put a ballot on there? What they don't understand was some of the songs that were the singles on that record hadn't been written yet. And I knew that we still had work to do on that front. And it's just a different game than making music in your bedroom, making music for a major label. It's just a different game, you know? Yeah, there there is, uh, I don't care any of their favorite artists. If they pulled back the curtain, they would understand that the whole thing is manipulated a little bit if you are commercially selling your music successfully. There, There is not ever one one band or artist that is a hundred percent raw and genuine. If you are successful commercially, it's just, it's just, it's impossible. Yeah. You, you kind of have to manipulate some of your plans, and whether it's the marketing little, of it or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I will say that yeah. this record that, that, that our group of songs, whatever the fuck you're calling it now. Um, Why is it not called a record again? I miss that. Well, because it may not come out as a record. It may come out a different way, but I'm not oh, allowed to know. say that. No one's allowed to say that, but I, I don't know. I honestly don't know. But okay. I but I will say this that um it's the most honest group of songs that I besides wind and wave stuff that I've ever been a part of and it's the most honest group of songs that a band has let me kind of do what I want on them. In other words like you were very trusting for me to be like try to make it sound like a band playing electronic music and all the stuff that we did sonically. And uh, I think it really took it to another level that I'm not, that I'm not sure we can get back from, you know what I mean? Like there's no going back the other way at this point. 
And uh, I'm curious to what, see. What do where you mean by that? We jumped into a pool that hadn't been dug on the first two records. And sonically? Yeah. And that yeah. and lyrically, and I lyrically think. Too. And I and I yeah. think that diving back into the old pool just just it's impossible. They feel, we filled it in with concrete. Well, you never want to go backwards anyway. Sure, mm-hmm. but I mean a lot of bands kind of hold on to what they're good at and that that works for them. This this is a pivot. This is a pivot. There's some some people that Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thanks. There's going to be some people that don't like it that are only there for Temple Priest or whatever. And then the people that read it a little deeper are going to look into some of those other songs and see those elements in these just a different, slightly different presentation of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, I mean, two things. I think one, what I love about the, what the three of us get to do is that we have ego in our own ways, but at the same time, we are very uh, egoless in regards to wanting to make the songs as best as they can. So like I, I loved, I felt like this record specifically, I was able to give you and David my full amount of trust. And right. because we'd worked together previously and knowing that you guys have the song's best interest in mind versus trying to appease, you know, my feelings or whatever. So I, I think that that is something that not a lot of artists get get the opportunity to be a part of a, a group that really is like very trusting of each other. Yeah. It's a unique thing. Um, there's always like with every band, even bands I have a lot of trust with, there's always like that little, you know, even when I play a song for Patty, if I play it for her and present it the wrong way, she literally goes, uh, she gives me a look like that's the worst idea I've ever heard. And then eventually comes around on it. Um, yeah, I need to be like, Mm-mm, no, and then like have a second and like sit with it, and and then I'm like, okay. I take this. What yeah. is y'all's writing pr- process like? On average, I know it probably depends per per project, but I mean, on average, Dwight will have an idea, a chord progression, and a melody, and maybe even some lyrics, and then I. Change, then she changes everything yeah. and it's a wind and wave song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is. Do you guys ever come together and start stuff from scratch? Yeah. We've sat in a room many times and just kind of played around and shook. Oh, I like that or whatever. I'll have some beats or chord progressions already on pro tools and just spin through them. And she goes, Oh, I like that or whatever. Um, yeah. L- We've gotten to the point with our with with her and I at least though where I kind of know what she's gonna like and she kind of knows what I'm gonna like and rarely is it something even ever presented that we we go, mm. you know. I actually I have no idea what you're gonna like. Oh well, there you go. <laughs> she did send a new one that's one of my favorites we've ever done in its demo state um, that I was over my head. It had a bunch of weird seven chords and uh, it's jazzy. Well, it was, ja- hey. it was a jazz progression that didn't make sense to me. So it wasn't something I could just sit in a guitar and figure out. And uh, we handed it to Jackson and Jackson figured out oh, the chords yeah. that she was singing. And then I was able to turn it into a song from that. But I, I wouldn't have worked without him going, 
oh, this is your old, this is your classic six, two, three, five with a bridge cord in it. That, and I'm just like, okay. Jackson is such an asshole. I, I say it every time you bring up news about your son, Jackson, because he's just so talented that when I hear stuff from him, I'm like, asshole. Yep. asshole. Y'all, he's got some acoustics. <laughs> he's got some acoustic songs he's been doing lately that are, <laughs> they're so good. And so simple that they infuriate me. Um, he's got a new one called I'll Never Smoke Meth. That is, it's it's so great. It's such a great he's, song. Because he talks about, I'm going to take LSD, but I'm going to try to do it safely. You know, and all this like <laughs> shit, but I'll never smoke meth. <laughs> and it, and it so ends, ahead of his time, it, man. It ends with, I'll never smoke meth because I like my teeth. <laughs> he's he's so ahead of his time man he's he's such an artist it's fucking awesome yeah so he's got a whole gaggle of songs i keep being like dude just put them out what are you doing and he's like i haven't mixed them or you know whatever anyway yeah um i want to talk about what what these group of songs are like lyrically because they're it's different for you right yeah I mean, it's a story. Um, it's a story almost, right? In a way, it became one, it seemed like. Yeah. Because there, of that red couch therapy? Oh, shit, man. I, I fucking, I love our friend Sally. Oh, <laughs> is that, I do is too. Is that what you're talking about? I do too. I meant, I meant. Oh, red, oh, red couch therapy. I meant red yeah. couch. The red couch, couch therapy, in the studio. But, yeah. The matchbox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, because that's how our first record came about is like, and that was before I started ac actual therapy though, just, uh, talking about stuff with Dwight. And I mean, our first record is basically a story too. It's a, right. the story of my childhood. You know, as but, you, as you say things like that, it makes me realize how similar Matt and I's relationship is to me and yours relationship. Cause I was like, Matt, sure. Matt, you should go see a therapist. <laughs> Same thing yeah. I said to you. <laughs> therapy has been a game changer for me so did oh, i yeah. well that's another thing i'd like to talk about like did unpacking stuff in therapy uh, uh impact your writing on this on these new songs um dwight correct me if i'm wrong because i my timeline suck i don't think that i actually was seeing Sal i think i had just started seeing sally you had just as started we were going into the studio i right? think you had gone two or three times total yeah okay. yeah um I would I would say like what we were talking about earlier, a lot of um, the struggle of the previous year and trying to figure out exactly what it is that I was um, believing in, and David too. I mean, we're we're both kind of step and step trying to figure out what the fuck this world is all about and what we're doing. And mm -hmm. I think it was a and even Dwight. I mean, Dwight was coming in with his own set of circumstances that just fucking sucked. You know, issues with his dad and like all kinds of things. And so the three of us getting to the same space mentally where it was just like, we got to get this shit out. I don't know why. I don't know how, I don't know when, but like, we just got to get out. We were on the same page in such a weird way. Like we would come in in the mornings and we would have similar lyric ideas or similar vocal melodies, totally independently of each other. Mm -hmm. It yeah. was like the tipping point for the three of us. Um, so I think it's just our desire to want to be as raw and real with people as possible. Cause what's the fucking point if you're not, um, cause I truly believe that people grow from honesty and, and like I've seen the impact that our fans have had from us just telling our stories. 
Yeah. And and just a, an acceptance, just an overall acceptance of like who we are, where we've been, where yeah. we're going. Yeah. And the cool thing is even when we don't believe it ourselves, the fact that we're even talking about it makes an impact. And so that is what takes the pressure off is that it's literally, it's saying, I'm going to be vulnerable today. I'm vulnerable. And then that's it. That's all I have to do. I don't have to fix myself. I don't have to change. I don't have to, I can literally just be vulnerable and take that first step and it helps people. So, yeah. um, I, I knew going in that by being honest, first and about, foremost, though, it helps you. It does. Yeah, it does. And, and a topic around religion and Christianity and, and stuff that I don't like talking about publicly, I knew that if I wanted to take a step to the next level or whatever the fuck, you know, like mentally, um, we were going to have to talk about some of that stuff. And uh, it just, yeah, it came out in, in the lyrical content. So you think that is that um, like the major theme of these new songs is you unpacking your thoughts around that stuff or is it more than just that? It's literally it's him and that. David unpacking themselves completely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where they belong I mean, in the world. About, exactly. We talk about philosophical things. We talk about existentialism. We talk about religion. We talk about weed. We talk about, um, I mean, I got arrested in New Orleans last fall it's around. A great weed. story. <laughs> yeah. It's in we a talk song. about, I mean, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, just all, all kinds of things that we just go, Hey, I think this is fucked up or I don't like this about myself or I want the world to be better or, you know, like whatever it is, we were able to just sit down the three of us. And to me, that's what religion should be. That's what spirituality is. It's people getting in the same room with differentiating opinions that can talk about shit and like grow with with zero judgment for real though. Yeah. Zero judgment for real. Be vulnerable and have questions and maybe not have answers for those questions and being, and just exploring our thoughts and being okay with not knowing. Because, you know, I told Matt that story one time of how I'd gone to dinner with that guy who was in a Christian band who I liked, but he was very Mm -hmm. devout. And I had said to him, you know, like, so I, what we talked about earlier, but I don't accept Jesus Christ as my savior. And, um, uh, but I've done good works my whole life and everything like that and been a good person or as good as I can be. And um, someone else say like Charles Manson accepts Jesus Christ for real right before he dies. That guy goes to heaven and I go to hell. And the guy was like, I'm sorry, but yes. Yeah. You know, it's just such a very black and white view of the world. But when I told Matt that he goes, Oh, I totally believed that you were going to hell even as long as two months ago. And I was just like, yeah. whoa, like I was told to believe that. And a lot of things like that, um, it's, there's, there's a lot of little things like that, not little, I guess, but that just never really sat well with me. So I would, I still moved forward as like, yeah, I'm Christian. That's what I believe. But there were so many little things that didn't really make sense to me. Yeah. Like that, well, like good people is, going to hell. Well, what Matt, Matt? Yeah, and the thing is, it's it's every it's every aspect of your life. It's like black and white, like that. It's right. like even for me when I think about dating, my whole life, I've been told if you marry a, a woman that's not a Christian, like you're fucked essentially. And to me, even though now I think that that's total and utter bullshit, I'm like, 
there's still a part of me that believes that. And so it's like this reconciling of how the fuck do I get past that? Because it's so implemented in here. And it's like, it's like that in so many different areas of life that like, God, it just, and that's what Matt was saying was that he was having to readjust his belief system mainly because he came from a biblical background, you know, a biblical church. And to believe the things, to believe, you have to, you can't pick and you can't cherry pick shit. So thoughts on homosexuality and and sin and, and uh, heaven and hell and everything like that, you can't go, well, that part of it's bullshit, but... The other parts of it are good, and I'm still a Christian. It was his thought that you you believe it all or you don't, you know, right? And that, right. I can't, I'm not articulating that right, but you had said something I mean, like I'm, that to me. Like, you can't pick and choose in the Bible. Right. And I, I, I almost, like, I still kind of, I still feel that way. Like, I it, do too. you know, like, it's a, it's a book. It's one book. I mean, it's a bunch of books together, I guess, but... I don't understand cherry picking certain things to believe in and then saying, I don't believe in these other parts of the same book though. But so for me, it's, I had to reconcile um, just putting it away and discounting the entire thing. Um, But I, I, but also not judging people who, who do that, who cherry pick. It's just, it's whatever, you know, if that works for you, great. I'm happy for you. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm getting to is I've spent my life trying to get the answers from other people and thinking that other people will be able to help me believe what I believe. And the reality is the only person who can make me believe what I believe is me. So I, I, I have to be more, I guess, conscientious and careful of like, what works for you? Great. I'm not going to step into it. I'm not going to try and and like get your take like whatever works for you is great great the thing that helped me is knowing is is getting to a place where i don't i don't feel like i have to decide what i believe and if i do decide i believe something or i don't believe something i i'm allowed to change my mind i think that's the freedom you of a freedom of not believing in a heaven or hell though or or not being afraid of it because if you believe in a heaven and hell you don't have that luxury. You don't have the right. luxury of being like, I don't have to decide. You're, you're, you believe the second coming is at any moment and that if you're not on the right side of it, you, it's going to be a real long eternity, you know? Yeah. And if I'm a hundred percent honest, I'm, I'm still not, I'm not at the place where you are, Patty, where, where I can, there is still, even though I don't want to believe it, there's a big part of me that still believes that hell is a very real thing. And the funny thing is I don't even think about heaven. I think about hell pretty exclusively. Which isn't that interesting? Because, yeah, because that's the worst of the two, right? Like heaven, fantastic. Great. If I get to live in a, in a beautiful fucking mansion and all that bullshit, they say great, but it's the idea of living eternally in misery. That's like, well, fuck that. So every decision that I make in life, I, even though I do try to ignore it now, it's a big part of, well, you better be careful because is that going to lead to going to hell? It's like, the fuck man. Like what, where does that come from? I I hate that that is still a part of me, but. Well, those are all the guilt feelings you're working through. I mean, Sally and people like that call it religious trauma. It's a very real thing. You've been traumatized by someone else's belief system. It's crazy. My therapist called, 
called it the same thing. Yeah. So, but you know, and the thing is we all live in a simulation, so it's all a fucking computer game anyway, and we're all going to be fucking fine. So nice <laughs> little Eric glitch. Weinstein. Yep, I exactly. did start watching. Exactly. I did start watching season three of Westworld last night. It's a great show. Where, uh, yeah, it's like it becomes a simulation within a simulation. I won't give any more away, but yeah, I, yeah. Um, I guess we need to wrap up so Patty can edit quickly without having to do too much for IGTV. Matt, is there anything else you want to say to your lovely fans out there that are sitting at home alone and watching you on this fine day? Well, I just want to say, hold on. I just want to say, I, I just, I love the documentary so much. I, I loved how, I love that you decided to be real and honest about what you were struggling with, with everyone. I think, I thought that was amazing. And I don't Thank give you. a fuck what any of those other YouTube commenters think, but I think it was amazing. And I praise your, um, your, your vulnerability and your courage and, and being afraid, but walking towards the fear and moving through that anyway. I think that was really awesome. Thank you. Um, I will say if we have any fan, I've actually, Dwight, you'll be happy to hear. I have had multiple comments or DMS about getting your contact info for producing and, and shit. Oh, so great. Uh, for our fans who are looking for work, you can hit up Dwight Baker, very talented dude. And, uh, yeah, you all are some of my, some of my closest best friends and, uh, very grateful for y'all. Thanks. I bud. miss you. Yeah. yeah we will all too. hang soon. Pass along, um, uh, my info to anybody who wants to work for sure. And also, um, you know, hit say Jay up and come get your head buzzed since we've all been isolated. Okay. We're you're good. Come have dinner with us. Okay. You can sit outside on our hammock yep. with us. It's sunny the next like Hell seven days, yes. bud. Okay. Thank Hell you, yes. Matt. We'll see you Bye, next guys. time, bud. Thank you. Bye. Yeah, see y'all. Bye. Okay, so that was Matt Vermissio, and that was a great interview. Patty, why don't you take us out? Okay. Um, thanks everyone for listening. We are very excited about this Saturday's live stream. So please join us for that. Um, you can get tickets at facebook.com slash the wind in the wave or the wind in the wave.com slash tour. Um, please consider becoming one of our Patreon supporters. Uh, all of our current Patreon supporters will be, be given uh, access to that live stream for free, which is pretty cool. Follow us on Instagram at the Dwight and Patty show. Send us an email. I think we're probably needing some emails. Uh, you can do that. Um, you can send us feedback about this positive or negative. Ask us questions, things you're interested in talking about. That's uh, let's see. The email address is the Dwight and Patty show at gmail.com. Um, and if you haven't sent us an email yet, you have, you better have left us a review. There's, I mean, you have time. We haven't you gotten, have time we haven't gotten reviews that. in a while. So yeah. Ooh, I'd like to share some of your reviews. So put your creative writing skills to action. You can now watch this podcast on video at YouTube, Facebook, and IGTV. So there's that. That's it. Bye. It's the Dwight and Patty Show. It's the Dwight and Patty Show.
It's the Dryden Pen.